Sijun prides itself on supporting journalists throughout their working day. They have a handy and free media request service, which helps you get the info you need for your stories. You can also set up a free professional profile on Cision and connect directly with PRs. Meanwhile, cisionjobs.co.uk is the perfect job site to find your next great role. Finally, the Media Moves newsletter is a fantastic place for freelancers and staffers to shout about their new jobs, new beats or availability for commissions. Come and join the Cision family. Find out more by visiting cision.co.uk forward slash journalists dash services. Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists. I'm Emma Wilkinson. And I'm Lily Cantor. We're both experienced freelance journalists and in each episode, with the help of two great guests, we give practical tips about working for yourself. This week, our topic is changing profession later in life. Yes, and to talk through this, we have two freelance journalists who came to the profession after another career elsewhere to talk through their experiences and the pros and cons of coming to the industry a bit later on in their careers. Yes, but first, let's talk about our highlight of the week. So what's yours, Emma? Um, yeah, so this might seem strange to say as a highlight, but mine was actually turning down some work. In fact, turning down two bits of work this week. Um, I won't go into details about it, but it was some work that I have struggled to say no to in the past. And I always regret it when I say yes. So um, I've just freed up some time as well to start pitching again and to have a bit of that better work-life balance. And some of that is paying off. And I just, it felt like it'd just be madness going back down that road of overloading myself when I don't really have the capacity. But I think the biggest, I'm quite proud of the fact that I didn't have to agonise over this decision this time. It was just a straight, nope, not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. And especially since our episode a couple of weeks back, we were talking about how to say no. So it's good to uh, see you practicing what we've been preaching. Um, yeah, no, I'm growing. So <laughs> what's, what's, what's yours, Lily? Um, can I have two? Because I've got. Yeah, sort of, go on then. Yeah, I'd say um, in terms of my sort of highlight of the week, freelancing wise. Um, so I mentioned in a previous episode that I'd come across a really good story um, that no one else has spotted and I pitched it to the editor and they've come back and said that they're really keen on it and they're going to take it forward to their planning meeting so hopefully that one's going to come off um, and the other one is I've got a puppy finally <laughs> that is the one that we're all excited about right yeah Nobody cares about the freelancing stuff we all just want to see more pictures of the puppy yeah so no doubt I'm going to start writing about money and dogs and running and dogs as well yeah everything um, will be every feature from now on will be and dog yeah <laughs> related yeah okay okay fantastic so let's move on to our topic of changing profession later in life um this is one we've actually wanted to do for a while because several members of our community have suggested to it as that we do a topic a podcast on this it's kind of come to us on from various different directions clearly sort of wanting to get advice and connect with those who didn't get into journalism straight out of university or kind of started it as their the first job um, that they had. Yes so to help us with this topic first we have Rachel Steinberg who worked in the theatre in Canada before moving to London to become a sports journalist. 
After doing her NTTJ diploma in 2019, Rachel has had bylines in The Independent, The Eye, Sky Sports, Yahoo, Daily Mirror, Metro, Radio Times, Eurosport and The Yorkshire Post. And also we have Rachel Murray. Hopefully this won't get too confusing with our two Rachels today. Um, she is a lawyer turned freelance writer. He also made the career change um, into a fortnightly newsletter called Pivot. Uh, she left the law after feeling burnt out and unhappy. And after first working at Tatler, Rachel went freelance and has since written for Restless, PA Life, Ampersand and the award-winning tech blog All About Agile. Yeah, so thank you both so much for coming to talk to us today. Um, we're going to start by setting the scene a bit and hearing from you both about your path into freelance journalism. So, Rachel Steinberg, I'll come to you first. Can you tell us what took you from the theatre into sports journalism? Yeah, for me, in a way, it's almost what took me back to writing. And I keep thinking about this English teacher I had in high school who when I said I was going into theater said, but what about your writing? So that's always been something that's been in my background. And in a way it was almost like, oh, I can always come back to that. And it took me a solid decade to actually do it. Um, but when I was working in theater, a lot of the, my job as a, a dramaturg and literary manager is a whole other podcast, but um, it involved a lot of writing and a lot of research and a lot of sort of the qualities that I love about journalism, the things like chasing topics that you're curious about or digging deep into something or speaking to interesting people and asking questions. And I'd left my last theater job and just wasn't super happy with it. And then I went traveling, did a bit of a gap year, a late gap year as well, so I'm doing everything late. And that led me to the UK. And at the time I was already thinking of switching careers and everything just kept pointing back to journalism, which I nearly double majored in when I was at university. And so, ended up kind of looking at some programs sports always been in the background as well as something that I've always really loved and the more I thought about it the more it just made a whole lot of sense to go back and and give this a go and I think the difference for me between my old job and my new job is this one feels incredibly vocational sort of like stepping into something or a piece of clothing that fits perfectly and so that's the very very short version of it but it's yeah it's always been there and I finally just kind of pounced and went I'm going to do this um, I mean, same question to you, Rachel Murray. Tell us about how you came to the decision to move from the law to journalism. What was your mindset then? Kind of why why did you want to switch to something else and why writing? Um, mine was a little less straightforward, I'll be honest. Um, it just come to the point where I had decided I didn't want to do law anymore, but didn't know what to do next. But I'd been blogging um, on the side for several years, just in a personal capacity. Um, I had sort of very grand delusions of, of delusions of grandeur, should I say, of um, becoming a fashion blogger because I was obsessed with clothes and jewellery and I was an avid, am an avid magazine reader. And so my dream was to write for, for a magazine at some point, um, but kind of never, because I'd only ever followed a very linear path into law and had always wanted to be a lawyer since I was 13, sort of when I got to um kind of where I was I just sort of, I think I just hit 30 um I was sort of like what now and so my the break from law and going into sort of journalism there was there was there was only a, there was only a few months but in that time it was very much I hadn't made a decision that this is what I wanted to do it was just that was writing was something I was good at and quite a few people came to me and said you know do you think you should think about doing this you know as a job 
Um, and back in the day, again, there was not a huge amount of resources when I did decide to change, which is why I decided to write Pivot is because when I eventually sort of found my way and I didn't, you know, I couldn't, I didn't have the resources to go and do an NCTJ or anything like that. I couldn't, um, it was, I had to sort of stay very much afloat and, and find a new career. Um, and I was just lucky that I, I, the first place I landed, I landed at Tatler. So, um, and then it kind of went, went on from there. And that's really interesting that you said that there wasn't sort of the resources around, because I think in the last few years, there's been a real kind of flowering of, of those kind of things. There's so many different um, places sort of popping up now. Um, I think journo resources has really driven that. Um, and, it, and it's fantastic that, that there is more stuff now. But I guess sometimes that is um, aimed more at kind of recent graduates or, or kind of young students. Um, and so I guess from kind of your perspective and, and Rachel Steinberg, we come to you first, um, you know, if you've already had a, a career doing something else and you're a little bit older, uh, I guess there must be some advantages of that. I mean, do, do you feel like coming to journalism later is, is brought some benefits with it? I think for me, it's life experience. So a lot of what I picked up and why I'm more comfortable now maybe interviewing that I would have been as a 21 year old is that I have done you know quite a bit of traveling and, and just had to talk to people and kind of make my way through life I think there's some self-advocacy when you've worked at other jobs and you sort of know what works and what doesn't work for you um, and certainly life experience I think when you can relate to people you're speaking to or, or interviewing on a kind of a different scale then, then that's been really helpful but yeah as you said on the flip side there's there's lots of stuff as well where you do feel like things are targeted younger and skew younger when you're starting out and there are all these programs for you know emerging young journalists and young and experienced aren't necessarily the same thing yes and I was t uh, talking about networking with some students yesterday and we were talking about awards that you could enter when you kind of first came into the industry and so many of them have an age on it rather than being your first three years in journalism, for example, it'll say under the age of 25 or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, Rachel, Murray, same question to you, really. Do you, were there sort of benefits, advantages to you being a bit older and wiser when you sort of stepped into this second career? Um, yes and no. I would say yes in terms of, you know, I had a bit more self-confidence because I'd already, you know, established myself in one career. But again, because I didn't, have that that schooling or that um that journey through the ed the you know the education system side of journalism I really struggled there because I didn't know where to look um and so I think that there were and yes when things are targeted more to younger graduates and things like that it's that you can feel a little bit swept aside and as though trying to get into it um as a as a newcomer regard especially a late one um, was was I found that a lot harder and I suppose but I'd still I would say by having the self-confidence I just kept swimming so you know eventually I found it and eventually I found those communities um, I just think if I'd had that guidance that you get from the education side of things um, it probably would have taken me less time yeah yeah that that's really that's a really good point and I wonder um, sort of Rachel Steinberg if coming back to that point really about the the education because obviously you did the the NCTJ diploma I just wonder um did you feel that that set you up um 
in a way because you, you you weren't coming through a degree or you you weren't sort of coming at it from a graduate perspective yeah a hundred percent and one thing I will say to the earlier point during awards is that something that I think about a lot because I think a lot of the people who do end up in these kind of later careers might have had to take time out for other reasons so you know those kind of age-based awards often maybe don't favor people who might have you know had children earlier in life and had to take a break or people who might not have been able to afford their education until quite a bit later in life and so it's definitely something that you know if I were ever setting up an award would certainly advocate for it being level of experience rather than age I think it's really important that it tends to not favor quite a few people and maybe some kind of more marginalized groups or, or groups that are that do take a little bit longer to, to kind of catch up career-wise um as far as the NCTJ, certainly, I also came, as you can hear, from a foreign country. So I actually didn't even know what work experience was until just before I started it. I had never heard of it. It's not something we do in North America. So I think it set me up for the UK media landscape in a way that was absolutely crucial, opened a lot of doors, and the networking side of it is huge. Obviously, having people who can advocate for you but also really getting that hands-on practical experience. I find that, you know, I have, I have two degrees. I have an MA. I didn't really need to write a, another dissertation, another thesis. What I actually needed to know what was what it's like to be in a newsroom and media law and all those various other things that come with that program. So certainly I would say that set me up very well. Um, Rachel Murray, I'm really interested in the differences between the careers. Um, and kind of maybe skills that you've been able to transfer between each of them. Um, you mentioned that you were stressed, not enjoying law and maybe a bit burnt out when you decided kind of you came to the end of the road with that. Um, how different has moving into freelance journalism being and have there been any of those skills that you developed um, sort of in your first career that you've been able to bring across there? Um, I'd say freelancing is is still very stressful. It's just stressful in a different way. Um, I suppose in some respects you're you have a little bit more control over your day and things like that in a way that you, you I just didn't I suppose in law. Um, in terms of skills are brought across, um, very much well. You know the, the storytelling. You know, I, I I used to interview people day in day out and you know have to find the nuggets of information and make sure that you know I, I you know so it, it sounds awful but sold their story to the judge and think or the other side or, or you know it's so it's those kind of skills are you know I hone those very early on and one of my I would say my biggest skills actually is doing interviews and writing up interviews things like that which I do quite a lot especially in the tech the tech work I do um, and also strategy very much about strategy and sort of bigger picture and sort of trying to piece all the evidence things together as you do again in, in um a lot of my work is is quite research based and so um I've been able to use all of that in in a way and only make it better like for me writing wasn't um like when I was younger in particular it wasn't something I loved or I was massively particularly good at I actually only became good at writing once I became a lawyer um I, I, you know, I've always been very analytical, which is why I got into that in the first place. And, you know, I really enjoyed, um, really wanted to do, I worked in family law and I really wanted to do that. Um, but the writing was something that definitely came later. Um, and it became, what when I used to start blogging, it became, and it was actually worked as an outlet for me 
So I would, you know, I'd have this really, really stressful day and I would go home and I would blog about, you know, jewellery and, and what I wanted to wear and things like that. And so, things that, you know, I seem as a bit more um, superficial, but to me they weren't because they were just another part of my personality. And that was just something that it kind of, I worked on. And then eventually when, when people, when people started reading my blog, they're like, oh, you can, you can really write that. And I was, so it was, it was very much a journey for me rather than being like do you know what I actually had this talent to start with and I wonder is there anything about sort of structuring and organizing your day because I think about when I went into my first job in journalism in an office my first job was actually in sub-editing and I just didn't know things like how email operated or how to use a photocopy or just like basic life work life skills that I think if you're kind of going into freelancing and you know working for yourself that maybe having had time to build up a sort of skill set of things that you know how to do might actually be quite useful in just terms of organizing yourself. Am I just reading too much into that? But I wonder um, if there's anything about that as well. I, I don't, I've always been um, quite, I, I started working when I was 13. Um, so I, I, you know, I worked through, I worked through school, I worked through university and so I've been working for a very, very long time. And so I think the office environment in some respects was kind of, by the time I reached it for my proper full-time job at, you know, 24, um, I'd kind of been in and out of one for quite a few years by that point. I think what I probably underestimated, and because I always thought I was a very, like, you know, with uni and, and doing things like that and, and um, studying for exams, I always thought I was a really self-disciplined person. You know, I'd very much sit at my desk for 12 hours a day and do the, do my revision and things like that. And I thought that that was kind of a, a natural personality thing. And I have since learned from freelancing, that is not my personality. <laughs> I very much respond to routine. And, um, and I know people be like, well, you actually like the nine to five. It's like, well, I actually, what I do like about it is actually there is, I need some kind of boundaries in order to do that. So I do actually try sometimes just to structure my days around in, in, a, in a similar way. Um, obviously, there, you have much more freedom in terms of, you know, if something happens, you know, you can work in the evening. It doesn't it doesn't feel as bad when you work in the evening sometimes when you're freelance. For me, anyway, you know, I, I quite like to have that freedom, but I definitely need the the routine that came with that kind of quite corporate world in some respects to enable me to sort of benefit or, or implement that when I was a freelancer. I, I find it really fascinating that you kind of didn't find um your sort of storytelling strength I suppose until you did law because I remember when I was a teenager and I was looking at careers law is the first thing I looked at um not journalism at all it hadn't even really dawned on me um so that really kind of strikes cold with me but I actually did work experience in the solicitor's firm and it well and truly put me off <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I went in a different route but um Rachel Steinberg just bringing you in then because you, your background's obviously very different in theatre um you know I, I I really wonder kind of there we've talked about confidence but kind of what other transferable skills have, have you found um I'd say both trans transferable skills and transferable realities I think when you start out in journalism people are always like oh this industry is dying there's jobs are scarce the hours are terrible that kind of thing and you cannot come up with it for me it's infinitely better than theater to be honest um so I was already sort of prepared for that I would say as far as 
skills, I think it's it's similar to what uh, Rachel Murray was saying around storytelling. A lot of my job in theatre was working with playwrights or an artist to build new works of theatre from sort of that kernel of an idea all the way to a final production. So I think I spent a lot of time thinking about what makes a good story and how to craft stories and also audience and what they're looking for and that kind of thing. And I think a lot of people always say to me like, oh, theatre to sport, that's a really wild transition but actually you couldn't get more theatrical in a way than sport you couldn't get closer to sort of some of those high stakes or fascinating characters and that's one of the loveliest things about working in sport it's it's impossible not to find a great story whether that's you know speaking to a Paralympian or there's a massive upset or anything like that it's it's just kind of rife with that almost I keep comparing it to like Greek theater so I think for me there's actually a lot that that overlaps between the two and I think as someone was saying earlier, there's a lot of kind of, you have to be proactive, you have to be a self-starter. There's a lot of just, as you said, being in an office and knowing what that's like and how to kind of interact with different people, but also technology, machines, uh, unpredictability as well. Um, there is, you know, the show must go on. And I think that's something that that journalism kind of adapts to as well. That if you've got a deadline, you've got something going on, it's gonna happen. It's, you're gonna meet it, it's gonna go to print. So I think there's a lot that can be learned and gleaned from from one to the other. Absolutely. I mean, I think, um, yeah, and I, th I just think of me now and me, even though, so I started off doing a science degree and then moved into journalism, but journalism is the only career that I've ever done. But I just think of kind of the, the me as I am now with the skills that I have and the confidence that I have and what I understand about what I enjoy and what I like and what I don't like compared with me at, 20 and I feel like they're almost just different people so yeah and your previous career in law sounded very intense we've kind of touched a bit on that work-life balance and how you like to have boundaries but it doesn't feel quite so bad if you have to work in the evening sometimes have you got any other um kind of tips on how you what you've learned about getting that good work-life balance um sort of now as a as a freelancer um, saying no helps like when you were saying about the highlight of, of pushing back about so I've definitely um, as I've become more confident in my freelancing and been kind of um, less emotionally reactive to the feast and famine side of things um, I've stopped being such a yes person um, and particularly when I was back in law like I worked in and, and as Rachel said about the transferable skills you know the, the drama and the, the theatrics it's like I used to work in um, like uh, childcare and like urgent, urgent and domestic abuse and things like that and getting used to you know things coming in urgently and turning them around urgently and I suppose like at that time it felt very be all and end all for me um and I think you you as you get older you realize that that's not the case like obviously there would always be you know cases where um that kind of response was necessary but what I see a lot now is people there's a real good phrase that says your your urgency is not my emergency or something like that where they say like someone else's lack of planning is not my emergency um and it's it's I see it now where people say stuff especially in journalism where they say things are like really really urgent it's like I've actually dealt with things that are actually urgent so I don't stress in a way that I used to um my my, my kind of um sympathetic response is not is not one of like ah in a, in a way but also I'm able to say actually you know sometimes that doesn't work for me this does work for me it's sometimes 
it's about recognizing that it can actually be a dialogue and that kind of especially when you're starting out and you know you don't have relationships with ed editors and things like that initially is like it's people don't want to push back they always want to say that yes they always want to say um you know there's there's no time for conversation really um and it's about for me it's very much been about learning that things aren't going to all fall apart and I'm going to be blacklisted as, as a writer and as a journalist if I say no to something and actually when I have said no better things have either come along or they've respected that and come back to me since yeah I think it's really important isn't it and it's a skill that we're, we're all trying to work on but it, it definitely is central to that that work-life balance um Rachel Steinberg, I wonder if we come back to you, because one thing I'm wondering about um, is kind of the, I guess, the financial commitments you might have if you're switching careers um, when you're slightly older. You know, you obviously, if you've got an established job already and you're earning a certain amount, um, then you're kind of going to need that financial security. So kind of how much did that kind of decision come into it when you went freelance? Um, so I was working at a school before I did my MCTJ. And what that allowed me to do was do work experience and all the half terms. And I think there is still a huge problem with the free work that we all have to do. I will freely admit that my first couple of contracts all came off the back of me doing work experience. And that's not something that everyone has the privilege to be able to do. So it's absolutely still an issue uh, but that's essentially how I was able to sort of get that work experience and then had planned to change careers so had you know had some savings around going back to school but obviously even people with choices like an NCTJ versus an MA there are all those questions as well of you know is doing an MA which is a lot more expensive that much better I think in my case it wasn't but everyone's situation is completely unique um, and yeah, I mean, certainly it's something that I, I continue to think about. I'm, I'm in a full-time job now, um, but when I was, you know, thinking about freelancing, when I was freelancing, um, piecing together contracts and, you know, do I, there's a point as which I was working six days a week and sometimes bled over into seven because I was doing a night shift and that balance between sort of, is this going to burn me out and what do I need to advocate for as far as my own kind of personal and mental health all, all became a factor as balanced by how many shifts can I do and still kind of keep keep this job and um, and keep this up? Because especially during the pandemic, it was really valuable to have that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think what it'd be quite nice to kind of do as a as a final question, sort of from both of you, really. But Rachel Marie, I'll come to you first. Is um, if there's someone listening to this who perhaps is doing another career, perhaps has dabbled a bit in journalism or freelance writing but he's thinking of taking that leap maybe based on things that sort of you wished you'd thought about or wish you knew or considered beforehand what would be your um sort of advice to them really on finally taking that leap I'm going to be cheeky and say it's kind of two but they link um mine very much was find a mentor um but also find a community because things absolutely change. Like I'm in the freelancing for journalists community amongst others and things um, really changed for me when I found those communities and, you know, people share information, they share knowledge. You can ask questions of people and, and you know, it's a real two-way street. You know, I've been able to, I started out as, you know, an, an observer 
and I've also been able to help people you know I have information that I didn't realize I had and so before you make that leap I would say you know join join those find those and join them because it makes it so much easier um and it would yeah it would have saved me a lot of heartache at the beginning um and you know just do it yeah I'm really pleased you said that because this is kind of one of the mantras that Lily and I have all the time is like you need to find this network you need to find that community of people just to rant at to bounce ideas off to say how did you deal with this situation that think, you know yeah, I think that, happened to you yeah that word net like when people say like networking like I'm bad at networking I think if you reframe it and call it community and finding finding your tribe so to speak it's so much different you know I don't I don't know the majority of people in in these communities but I can talk to them and I I wouldn't look at them in the same way as though I would on you know I look at those people on LinkedIn that, have, that I want to connect with and things like that so actually it feels a lot it feels a lot safer a lot more open and um a bit more like peer rather than you know going after you know senior editors and being like will you give, you know will you get will you chat to me over a coffee being able to talk to people that you know that have been there done that or are just you know are struggling as much as you are or with the same things like that is you know that is worth more than you know more than anything and sometimes you know there are communities that you pay for as well and I still say they're worth it um so yeah that, those would be um, yeah find find and so then obviously within that community you can then hopefully find a mentor um you know that can help with that guidance if you, if for example you did it my way and you don't go by the normal educational route as well yeah really fantastic advice I mean Rachel Steinberg other Rachel if we could come to you and um same thing really if someone came to you and said they were currently in, a, in another job had been doing something else entirely and said I'm thinking about getting into journalism what would your advice to them be I think it would be to stay open-minded I often have compared the industry to sort of a sorting hat but you're not entirely sure what the houses are until you get in it and so I think if you're able to do able again if you're able to do work experience it's really really key both kind of to meet those potential mentors and to do that networking but also to decide and figure out where you fit because sometimes maybe it's not the thing that you initially went into the industry for it's um, something else that you've discovered along the way and I know I've bounced around between things like news showbiz and sport and eventually found myself where I am and kind of discovered what I value within the field but there are so many different ways of being a journalist and staying open-minded and having those experiences will help you yeah find your house yeah that's that's really really great advice and yeah that idea of kind of like you say trying different things until you kind of find what fits and also not being afraid to to do something new you're, you're not kind of stuck in one sort of genre um if you don't want to be I mean that that's what's so good about about freelancing Okay, just as a way of kind of wrapping up and sharing the freelance love, we want to ask both of you, who is the freelance journalist who's caught your eye recently? So perhaps someone who's done some really good work or someone you just admire. So Rachel Steinberg, who is your recommendation this week? There is, she's now finally a full-time reporter, but there's a sports journalist who's American and I might mispronounce her name, but it's Marissa Ngemi. And she's now at the Seattle Times. It was doing lots of freelance sport a couple of months ago and just writes really lovely original stories. So she wrote something about companion horses 
in horse racing. And it's just something I never heard of. Um, so I really admire kind of her tenacity getting you know, bylines in places like the New York Times and, and lots of other places and um, finally landing where she wanted to. So I think there's that tenacity paid off for her as well. But she's a great writer and just uncovers the unexpected, which is something I always love as a reader. Yeah, it's great, isn't it, when someone's got that knack for just finding those completely different stories, topics that you'd never thought of and or come across before. Um, Rachel Murray, same question to you, really. Who's the freelancer who you'd want to give a shout out to? Um, it's Lizzie Denning. Um, I first discovered her writing in um, Cosmopolitan. She writes um, very well, very poignantly about sexual violence. Um, and she's recently had an article in Grazia um, about um, toxic victim blaming and the links, um, which was really interesting because there's new research. Um, but also she's really great for the freelancing community like she does an accountability session every month for us and you know she's she's really got the backs of, of other writers and and that's why she's my shout out today and she's got a newsletter as well hasn't she, she does yeah it's called out of office yeah yeah I thought it was that one yeah I subscribed to that brilliant oh those are both two great recommendations and we'll put those in our show notes but we're going to bring the episode to a close now. But thank you so much. It's been a fascinating insight into what it takes to switch to journalism later in life. Yeah, so you can find out more about us and all the resources we offer at our website, freelancingforjournalists.com, as well as joining our Freelancing for Journalists Facebook community, which got a bit of a shout out in the episode there. And um, we've got almost 5,000 members in there. So if you want to find those, find your tribe and find your people, come along and join us. Yes, and on social media, we're at Freelancing4, and you can also follow us individually. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Journo. And we also want to say a massive thanks to our research assistant, Helen Quinn, and our producer, Maddie Drury. And this is the end of the series, but we will be putting out a bonus episode next week where we will be catching up with each other on our appraisal that we did a few months ago so if you want to find out whether we've actually um, met our action points join us next week but goodbye for now bye bye